Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakens. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near the Lord, to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. This is the word of the Lord. We pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this series in the Psalms. Thank you for giving us the chance to learn how to pray. Uh, I pray that we are practicing this. Lord, would you stir our hearts to, to, to speak to you and to hear from you uh, through praying the Psalms. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're looking at Psalm 73. Now, Psalm 73, if I'm going to boil it down to kind of one theme that we're going to be looking at tonight, it's about honesty. Uh, it's about praying with honesty, praying, uh, and we see an example of honesty in this psalm. Now, I think it's fair to say that honesty is refreshing, right? When you encounter someone who's honest, you're just like, wow, that is refreshing to, to hear it like it is or to hear it straightforward. And I think it's fair to say that sometimes in our culture, we're not very honest. We can be a bit dishonest, but I don't think this is like malicious or intentional most of the time. I think we just like to put our best face forward. 
We like to kind of project the, the, the happiest, the best, uh, the, the prettiest, the smartest, the strongest uh, picture of ourselves into the world because that's how we want people to perceive us. And so maybe some of you have uh, on occasion like posted on Instagram or, or Facebook uh, a photo that was less than flattering. Maybe it was like your, your real self. Did people respond to that as, as well as they respond to your pretty photos or your handsome photos? Well, it causes a different reaction because it's like, wow, here is someone, they're just being honest about who they are and how they're doing. And so I thought I would bring just a photo of myself just being honest on Facebook. Now, this photo is from the moment I finished, well, is halfway done with a hike. So this is just, <laughs> this is my honest face. Back in Colorado in 2010, I climbed Long Peak. So this is me without a beard, if you're a little confused. Uh, and uh, I put up the elevation just so you guys would be impressed uh, with how high this hike was. It was, you had to get up at like three in the morning and, and hike and you get there. Uh, and then you have to turn around. It's seven and a half miles up, seven and a half miles back. And this is a perfect picture of how I felt at the top of the mountain. I was like, oh no, I have to go back down. And, uh, and there were some interesting responses to this photo. I wanted to share uh, a response from my friend Nick. So he went on this hike with me, and he, he actually shares what his mom said when she saw my photo. He says, Mom says, I can't believe he put this picture of himself on here. <laughs> and this is seven years ago, and this is how I responded. I said, I'm all about transparency, Nick. I think this will also attract women. Now, I was single at the time, and I can tell you for sure that this photo did not attract any women into my life. Although Monica looked at it this week, and she thought it was kind of cute, so <laughs> that's probably just because we're married. I'm going to put up the, the next just blank one so that I'm not staring at you as we continue forward. Honesty. Honesty isn't always pretty. <laughs> Honesty isn't always good-looking. You're not attracted to honesty sometimes. Sometimes, to be honest, you have to reveal something about yourself that others might say, ugh, why would, why would that person want to show that aspect of themselves? Well, in Psalm 73 today, we're just looking at a man, a man named Asaph. He lived 3,000 years ago, but he's a guy just like us, and he's just praying honestly. He's just having an honest conversation with God, before God. Uh, he's sharing it with the community. He wrote this psalm so that others could learn from his example. And I hope that as we go through Psalm 73, we'll be challenged to be honest in our prayers before God. And we'll be challenged that we don't always have to bring the, the prettiest face before God. We can just be raw and be real with the one who's created us. Because he's interested in that. He's interested in who we really are. So let's begin to, to look at Psalm 73, and it really is an example of honest prayer. Now before I, I jump into the first couple of verses, I do want to tell you a little bit about Asaph. So Asaph, he lived 3,000 years ago, and he lived under the reign of King David. Uh, so this is about 1,000 years before Jesus Christ. 
And he, he was a musician, uh, and he was uh, part of the Levites. He, he worked for the king, and it was his responsibility to kind of lead others in worship and really to, to be almost a worship leader, a minister in God's presence uh, near a tent that housed the ark. And so he was pretty successful. I mean, he wrote these psalms, so he got into the Bible some of his writings. He wrote Psalm 73 through Psalm 83. Uh, He wrote two other psalms. He's a published author. He's the, the leader of worship. He's a successful man, and yet he struggles. I think it's it's fair to say that it's okay to struggle whether you're a success or not. Sometimes we look at, especially like maybe our worship team or or the pastor, we look and we see them and we say, wow, they're leading others into worship. (laughs) They're, They're joyful as they sing. They must have it perfect. They must never struggle. Maybe that's how you are too. You want others to think, wow, they're doing well, like they... They have a a great walk with God. They have a great career, a great life. They must never struggle. Well, Asaph doesn't pay any attention to that because he is struggling. And so the first part of an, an honest prayer is just to admit your struggle. I want to read the first couple verses. Uh, a Psalm of Asaph, verse 1. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. I want you to listen in verses 2 through 3 for Asaph's struggle. What is he struggling with? But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He's struggling with envy. Man, envy... It's just, it gets into your soul, it gets into your heart, and it can just ruin your life. Envy, uh, another word, is just jealousy, just wanting what someone else has. Maybe uh, Tim Keller, he's a pastor, he kind of defined envy as, it's like wanting their life and being frustrated with God for not giving you their life, someone else's life, like you your life isn't good enough. You're not content with what God has given you. God, I want, I want that person's life. I want that person's money. I want that person's success. I want that person's uh, relationship. I want that person's family. I want that person's uh, just everything about them. I want their health. I want everything. That's what envy is. And Asaph is struggling. It can make you bitter, bitter about life, upset at God. Asaph admits this struggle in verse 2. He admits it. And the interesting thing is, is he recognizes that it's not good, and he, he, is, he is envying the wicked. He, he's envying people that disobey God. To, to be wicked, to be unrighteous, is just to live life your way instead of living life God's way. It's living life according to your standards and ignoring God's rules and God's laws. And Asaph's frustrated. Asaph wants their life because it seems like like 
bad things aren't happening to them. They're, they're actually getting ahead in life. And let's, let's kind of read through verses 4 through 12. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. Well, they're, they're, they're healthy. <laughs> they have an easy life. Verse 5, they are free from common burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. They have it easy. Verses 6 and 7, therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They're prideful people. They're arrogant. They're, they're greedy. They don't mind hurting others in order to get ahead. Eight, they scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. They're, they're, they're willing to make threats. They're, they're willing to, 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 to hurt the poor. They don't mind bringing oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. Verse 9 is just like this way of saying they can have anything they want. They can have anything in heaven. They can have anything on earth. And people are coming to them. These are, these are people with influence. People are saying, we want to be like that person. I want to be just like that person. And they say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? They don't even believe in God. So they're wicked. They live life their way. And they don't even believe in God. They, they say, God, we're not going to have anything to do with you. They mock God. And verse 12 is just kind of a summary. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Where our money is is where our hearts is, right? Where our hearts are at. See, when we, when we look at those around us, we can sometimes feel pretty jealous. Now, I think the kind of the easy examples, the, the easy people is to say, oh, God, well, like celebrities, like they have it all and they live lives that, where they do whatever they want. And man, isn't it easy to be envious of them? But I, I think a, a more deceptive and, and real envy that we can feel just like Asaph is the one that kind of like goes into our mind and goes fleeting out and it does so kind of quickly. Like a, as you think a thought about a coworker, and you're just frustrated with a coworker who who cuts corners and is not ethical, and is uh, is mistreating customers and is willing to do whatever they see as as good in order to get ahead ahead, even if it's not. It can be frustrating when those people get promotions, when those people get bonuses, and you get looked over, even though you're trying to live life in a in a good way, in a way that honors God. It's going to be family members, family members that have taken advantage of you or take advantage of other members of the family financially, perhaps relationally. Maybe they steal money. Maybe they're always a burden, and they don't have to be, but that's their choice. Maybe they're not helping out, and they just seem to have a fine life, and you're saying, well, God, I'm trying to help my family. I'm trying to do good, and they just keep getting ahead. Maybe this is someone that you have a hard time with that you see in the news, a, a politician or a government official or a news person. Maybe you look at them and say, God, why are they doing okay and the rest of us aren't? You know, there was another shooting this week. And I, I, 
one of the thoughts that kind of goes through my heart when I hear about these shootings is the new, in the news, especially when, well, it doesn't even matter if the shooter makes it or not, but it's like they, they did this horrible thing and they get off lightly, whether they killed themselves or they spend the rest of their life in jail, compared to all the harm and the pain they have caused to their victims and the families of their victims. See, this is a real struggle. It's hard to believe in God and to trust God. But admitting the struggle is part of what it it means to be honest with God, to to talk with God from a place of truth in your own heart. And that's what we want to do as we approach God in prayer. We want to admit our struggles. And sometimes these struggles, these envying, whatever your issue is, it can lead us to doubt. And so what we see Asaph doing is just being honest about his doubt as well, confessing his doubt, verses 13 through 15. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. What we see from Asaph here is he's saying there's emptiness, there's nothingness, it's, it's worthless. My having trusted God, obeyed God, lived life for God, according to God's ways, it's not doing me any good, it's vanity, it's vain. Why did I bother? We can all feel that way sometimes. God, I'm trying to honor you. I, I, I give tithes and offerings. I go to church regularly. I study your word. I pray. I, 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 I give to others with my time and energy. I love Jesus, and I, I, I pray to God. I, I try to be in relationship with God. And yet I still get sick. I still lose loved ones. I still struggle financially. I still feel depressed. And I look around at those people around me who aren't living lives in honor of you, and they seem to be doing just fine. <laughs> Verse 14 is interesting because he's, he's really saying, not only has, has this not worked out for me, it's actually like, pushed me the wrong direction. Like I'm worse off because I've honored God. I've been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. I do the right thing. I'm honest at work and I get punished. I'm honest and kind in my family and I get taken advantage of. And this creates doubt in my heart about the goodness of God. How could a good God let these things happen? Wouldn't a good God stop these things from happening? Well, confess your doubt. Just confess your doubt. Whatever in your heart or in your mind is just is causing you to, to not believe in God, just say, God, this is it. <laughs> heavenly Father, this is why I have a hard time calling you my Heavenly Father. Just be honest like Asaph. Because when we're honest, it opens up a space. <laughs> it opens up a space to be in relationship. So if I had been unwilling for 
for Nick, my friend, he's still a good friend, if I had been unwilling for him to see me in weakness or to see me when I'm tired and exhausted and kind of grumpy, if I had been unwilling to let him see me like that in that state, we could not have gone on that hike together. See, honesty creates intimacy. Honesty creates relationship so that we can know and be known, truly know who each other are. And this is true like in our marriages, in our relationships, in our families, in our friendships, but this is also true vertically. This is true with God. God, I want to be honest with you so that I can be in relationship with you, so that I can have intimacy with you. This is why I have to confess my struggle. This is why I have to confess my doubt. But thankfully, the Bible doesn't leave us there. The Bible takes us to God's presence. It says, come, come into God's presence. Come into God's presence and experience him. Verses 16 and 17 say this. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. So I, like, I, I couldn't think it out. I couldn't logically come to the answer that I wanted. And so I entered the sanctuary of God. I entered the sanctuary of God. So he went to his place where he spent a lot of time. The sanctuary was this special tent that King David had built to house the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe some of you have like seen Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant. You can picture that Ark in your mind. That's fine. There's this gold kind of chest that, that some priests would carry back and forth on poles. And on top of this chest were two angels, two cherubim. And they had their wings like outstretched, touching each other's tips. And it was, it was like God was seated on top of the wings and his feet were resting on the ark. So that was like, like his footstool. In other words, this was a place where God was literally seated among his people. Now, God can fill all space, and right, he's, 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 he's not everything, but he is everywhere. And yet, there was something special and significant about the sanctuary, about the place where the ark was, because Asaph could go there and experience God's presence firsthand and, and know that he was worshiping the one true God. And see, that's what we need. We need, to, we need to come together into God's presence and experience God's goodness. This is one of the reasons we come to church and we come regularly because we want to experience the, God's special presence that is here in a special way that's just a different, just a little different than out there. That together we're, we're, we're gathering to worship Christ Jesus. We're gathering to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're gathering to, to pray to our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father. There's something significant and different about drawing together into the sanctuary to worship God. But if we're going through doubts and struggles, this isn't the only place that we can find our hope. Because God has also given us the, our, His Holy Spirit, so if we... If we know Jesus, if, if we're saved by God's grace, the Holy Spirit resides in us and we can pray directly to our Father no matter where we are. And we can be refreshed by him. So we can go into God's presence a variety of ways. 
We go into God's presence as we open the word and we study and we hear God's words and God's words speak to our hearts. And it's as we begin to think about God, as we begin to think about Jesus Christ, that our our perspective begins to change. And the second half of verse 17 says this, Then I understood their final destiny. So whose destiny is he talking about? He's talking about the destiny of the wicked. He understood where they were going, and it just completely changed his mind. Verses 18 through 20 tell the destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors, They're like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. See, Asaph goes into God's presence and just just encountering God's holiness, God's, God's purity, God's righteousness, he's remembering what's going to happen to the wicked, to any that live life their way instead of God's way. One day, God is gonna bring a a final judgment. And he will make everyone account for their wrongdoing. And that gives me comfort. It gives me joy on weeks like this one. When there is a shooting, because we know that God's judgment is far better, far more just, far worse than anything in this life. That there will be true and final ultimate justice meted out by God. And that's what Asaph remembers. God is going to bring justice, and isn't that good? Judgment actually is a good thing if it's a right judgment. And God always brings a right judgment. And then Asaph not only sees what's going to happen to the wicked, he also looks at his own heart. He's convicted. He, he, as, he gets something, as he gets closer to something that's beautiful, he recognizes his own, his own ugliness in his heart. Verses uh, 21 and 22, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. It's like he's very eloquently saying, God, I was stupid. <laughs> I was really dumb. Now I can see my stupidity, my, my sin, my rebellion. I can see how I was just coveting the wrong things, that I, I wanted like short-term gain, and I got to think in the big picture all of eternity. That's what I want to think about. In verses 25 through 28, they tell us, they, they, they encourage us because Asaph is realizing that God never left him. God was always with him. God was with him as he was looking over at that wicked person who had it all. God was present with him. And wouldn't he rather have the presence of God than the wealth of the wicked? Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. Uh, verse 23, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My job may fail, 
My, my career may fail. My, my health may fail. My friendships may fail. My family may fail. My life may fail. I may die. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Why should I be jealous of what anyone else has? Because I have it all. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. If, if the sovereign Lord, if the one Asaph is praying to and about in this psalm is not your sovereign Lord, in other words, if he doesn't rule over your heart, if he doesn't rule over your, your mind, your life, I pray that you'll consider bending the knee tonight. See, he is a good king. Yes, he's holy and he's just and he's righteous, but he's also good. And he's, he's, he's worthy to, to bend the knee to. And how do we know this? Because of the cross. Because of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ is the only righteous man. He's the only good man. He, 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 he was perfect in heaven, the son of God, and he stepped down into our wickedness. He stepped down into our world full of filth and garbage, full of our, our sin. And the wicked, we crucified him. We rejected him. But God used it so that Jesus died and then he rose again so that whoever repents of their sin just says, God, I do have a, a wicked heart apart from you and believes in Jesus Christ, the one who sacrificed himself for us. You can have eternal life. The best thing that, that Jesus can offer you here tonight is eternal life. That's really good. That's really wonderful. That's better than anything money can buy. And money cannot buy you eternal life. Jesus Christ bought eternal life on the cross, and he is willing to give it out for free as you repent and put your, sin, your faith in him. And the good thing is, is that we can always go into Jesus' presence honestly. Jesus doesn't condemn us for our sins. He, he looks on us with kindness. The cross is an example of God's love and kindness towards us so that he can extend mercy to us. So we can all be honest with Christ. And it's through Christ that we can experience the presence of God. I hope that tonight, this message, that it will encourage you to be honest with God. To be honest with Christ Jesus. And through that honesty, to just enter into relationship with God. And we can do that through prayer. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus, for everything he has done. Thank you for Asaph's example of honesty. Thank you for the honesty we're about to witness as we uh, hear these faith stories and we see these baptisms. We give you praise for all these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.